0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, As you saw in the title, we're dealing with uh, how to deal with or dealing with betrayal. And uh, I know there's people that have had relationships go bad. Uh, They've had people that uh, have talked about them, that have worked against them. Um, And so today we're going to really deal with that because the Bible has instruction and guidance on how we as Christians um, should deal with betrayal. You know, one of the things that's um, interesting to note is that you can't really obviously, control other people's actions. We know that. You can't control other people's actions, uh, but you can control your own. And you can, um, you can determine how you will react when other people act. That's a very, very important uh, concept to get down in your spirit. And I want you guys that are watching um, to, to put that in the comments today. Um, I can, I can control how I react when other people act and uh, it's very important. We're going to deal with some, I'm actually going to give you five different things today. The Bible says about dealing with this, um, act of betrayal from people that are in your life. There's my friend, the mighty Christian Ray, uh, Raybert who I love. There's Ashley Melton who I love. Ted love you guys. Desiree Arroyo, Good to have you on. Um, she said, I had somebody work against me at work. And then I prayed for them and served them, and then got pushed into a promotion that I fasted and prayed for because I was obedient to what God told me to do. That's a great testimony. And that's what I'm talking about. We can actually take these issues that were, you know, people may come against us or whatever, and work against us, talk against us, spread lies, spread rumors, and you can turn the situation around by your faithfulness, truthfully. I'm convinced that people think that they have a right to, uh, act in such a way, a contradictory way to the Bible because somebody did them wrong. I, I honestly feel like that people feel like, well, once I've been done wrong, I've got a free pass to kind of do, you know, respond how I want to. And I I really, I really do feel that because you see it often, but we're going to go through, um, scripture today. And I want to kind of walk you through, and this will be a help to some people. It'll be an eye opener for a lot of people. And um, and, and, and and I want you to take notes and write these references down because uh, I know that this isn't necessarily talked about a lot, but it needs to be dealt with because there are people that have been hurt. I understand that. Uh, but the key is this, you can't live in your hurt. You can't stay in that place because you'll be defeated, you know, for the rest of your life, you'll live that thing will be held over your head and then you, you know, you're not free to walk in the joy, the peace, the love of the Holy Ghost. And so you have to take authority over it. You've got to take control. And so uh, we're going to deal with this from the word today. So I want you to get your Bible out, pen, paper, phone, whatever you use to take notes. And we're going to jump into that. Uh, once again, we're dealing with how to deal with or to handle betrayal in your own personal life. Hello, Norman, Faith, Terry. Um, Great to see you guys on today. We love you. Let's start in the Gospel of John, chapter thirteen. The Gospel of John, chapter thirteen, and uh, we're going to read. Well, let's start reading from verse (laughs) twenty-one. Really interesting part, place to start. Uh, That's a that's a great thought, Janine don't park at your pain. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. Don't, don't stay where you've been hurt, where you've been destroyed. Look at this. Jesus says this in John 13, starting in verse 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified truly, truly. I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that's John, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, It's the one to whom I'll give a morsel of bread when I've dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. And then after, now listen to this, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him and Jesus said to Judas, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Look at that. What you're going to do, do it quickly. Now, I know that this was part of Bible prophecy, Messianic prophecy, but there's a principle here. Obviously, Judas had to do what it was prophesied that he would do, which kind of kick-started the crucifixion process. We know it's Messianic prophecy, but understand the, the principle that's even greater here. Jesus didn't try to stop Judas from what he was going to do. Think about that. He didn't stop Judas from attempting to betray him. Look what he said. He said this. Go ahead and do what you're going to do and do it quickly. So number one, the first thing that you need to understand is that you can't stop people or let me think of a better way to say it. uh, you can't control someone's free will put that in. Number one, I can't control someone's free will. That's the first place we need to start. I can't control someone's free will. And that's kind of where I was uh, encouraging you from the very start of this broadcast. I don't have any control over what other people do, but I do have control over what I do. And so the very first thing we need to know is I can't control someone's free will. And once you resign yourself to that thought and understand it, then you'll be a whole lot less heartbroken uh, than you were before. You can't control what people do. Love you, Ben. And thank you. You can't control what people do. And Jesus was saying, Judas, whatever you're going to do, go ahead and do it quickly. And so I understand there will be people who don't like me. There's already plenty of them. There are people who don't like me. I understand that there's people, that will work against me, I also know that. I know there's people that will try to hinder what God's called me to do, I also know that. I know that everybody who used to be in my life is not in my life now, I understand that. I can't control those things and I'm not trying to control those things. One of the greatest things that you could ever learn to do is this, if people wanna go, let them go. Think about it. If people want to go, let them go. I've never understood why if a pastor pastors a church and you have people that say, pastor, I'd like to meet with you uh, this week. And then, you know, they come into your office and they meet with you and they say like, you know, pastor, I, uh, I want to just say thanks for everything. My wife and I, we're going to be going to another church. We're leaving the church. We're going somewhere else. I've never understood a pastor that tries to talk those people into staying at the church. It's not even in their heart to stay at the church. And what happens if you did talk them into it, uh, because maybe you, you need them to keep on giving or whatever the reason may be. If you did, their hearts not even with you. And what'll happen is they'll resent the fact that they were talked into staying and then they'll start causing problems because they're already not there by their heart and they're been out of shape and now they're irritated. They don't really want to be there. If people want to go, let them go. That's the key. If there are people who don't want to be your friend anymore, let them go. Catch this. This will help you, man. This will help you. If there are people who don't want to be your friend anymore, let them go. Don't try to keep on calling them. Don't try to keep trying to get together with them. All the, don't Don't, don't do that. If they want to go, let them go. Because what happens is, is that when you try to force those relationships, they're forced. <laughs> a forced relationship feels horrible. And it's exactly right. AJ makes the point that it costs more to keep them around than what they're giving to you anyway. Because what, what happens is when somebody checks out of a relationship, they stop giving. If somebody checks out of a relationship, they stop giving to the relationship. I'm not talking about church or church members. I'm talking about friend relationships. You know, it takes two people to be friends. Friendship's not one-sided. It takes two people to be friends. And once somebody's heart checks out, they stop giving in, even in the friend relationship. And then what happens? Then you're doing all the giving and serving and loving, and they're just taking you for granted or using you and whatever. I don't. We don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. So do what Jesus did right off the bat, and recognize that you can't control other people's actions. And so, if, if you know, if that's the thing, if that's what you want to go do, go do it. Go do it. If that's if that's your, you know, go do it. I'm not going to stop you, because I understand anyway. I've talked to multiple pastors that are like, it's almost worthless. It's almost worthless counseling most people because after you've given them instruction and told them what that you think they should do and what the Bible says, they still go and do what they want to do anyway. I've talked to multiple pastors that have said that some have said like, you know, I don't even really, uh, counsel people like that anymore because after years, decades of doing it, you realize that you spend an hour, two hours, hours three hours sitting around counseling people, and then they just go do what they wanna do anyway. It's like totally the opposite of what you encourage them to do. So it's like, what's the point? I can't control, I can encourage somebody, but I can't control their actions. Once you get that down as a foundation, it will help you to know there will be people that will take those actions. Some may may betray you, some may stand against you. In fact, if you truly are doing what the Bible uh, tells you to do and if you're following your purpose and your calling the Bible is actually pretty plain that uh, there will be people who stand against you and the Bible says to beware when all men speak well of you which means you're going to have the situation where all people are not speaking well of you and that's scriptural Because see, once you stand for something, there are people who stand against you, right? Once you stand for something, there are people who stand against you. And so don't be discouraged by that. Don't be, uh, you know, don't let that bring you down. So I don't know what you shouldn't have everybody liking you and you don't need everybody liking you. You don't need everybody to be your friend, just the right ones. That's all you need. That's all you need. And so here's the key. Uh, The first thing you've gotta do on dealing with betrayal is understand and accept there will be people that take those types of actions against you. But it's not gonna destroy you, won't take you out. You just please the Lord with your life and he takes care of you. So that's number one. I can't control other people's free will. And we saw that with the life of Jesus. Number two. The second thing that we need to see, this will help you. And it needs to be the next thing you do is that that betrayal will happen. But then after it does second thing, which should be the first thing you do, the first thing that happens is they betray. First thing you do is forgive. And it has to be quick, has to be immediate. And it takes us getting our flesh under to do that. But look with me at Luke 23. And verse 34, Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus is literally as a result of Judas actions. And of course we know it's by prophecy and it's, it's his call, his purpose because he's betrayed, he's turned over and now his people, the Jewish people have stood against him. They want him crucified, crucify him, crucify him. He's literally on the cross. He's on the cross and they've nailed his hands. They've nailed his feet. They've beat him until he's unrecognizable. They've put a crown of thorns upon his head. They've whipped his back and and, and now he's in the midst of his betrayal and look at what Jesus said. Verse 34, father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Look at Jesus' prayer in the midst of the worst possible type of betrayal that you could ever have, betrayal that results in your execution. <laughs> and Jesus, in the midst of his torture, prays the prayer, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. See that. Now, let me um let me let me say this because it'll help you to understand why you should pray for people. Did you know that the Bible and I I know, you know, it does say this, but did you know that the Bible instructs instructs us to pray for our enemies and those that spitefully use us were to pray for them? Well, I was praying one time just really trying to get this because see, in the old Testament, the prayers were different in the old Testament. It was like God fight on our behalf and destroy them all. It was like David's kind of prayer. Lord, strike all of your enemies on the cheekbone and shatter the teeth of the wicked. That's, that's a whole nother kind of prayer. But notice in the New Testament under this covenant of grace, that we're to pray that God would bless those that curse us, that He would uh, that he would bless those, that he would forgive them just like Jesus prayed. Well, why is that? And the Lord showed this to me one time He said, if you truly understand the Abrahamic covenant, I told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. So if you're doing what God's called you to do and you're literally accomplishing your purpose that God's given from heaven, then guess what? God's on your side. God's for you because you're in obedience. When people stand against that and decide to curse you, they are in danger of receiving the curse of God. That's Abrahamic covenant. I'll curse those that curse you. And so the reason that one of the reasons that we uh, pray for them is because the Lord spoke this to me one time and pause that comment so I can read Kristen's comment. But um, the Lord spoke to me one time. He said, the reason I told you to pray, catch this. He said, your prayers for your enemies are the only buffer between them and my curse. (laughs) Think about that. Your prayers for your enemies are the only buffer between them and the curse of God. He said, I'll curse those that curse you. It's a dangerous thing to stand against the people of God. And uh, Kristen said, we focus on the betrayal and details of it, which isn't fruitful. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. That's exactly right. Pray for their salvation. Exactly. And it's true. Once their heart is turned around, none of that matters anymore. And uh, I totally agree. Christian's making the point there that we want to believe for the best, which is the salvation of those that even stand against us. And you can keep on scrolling, but you, you know, it's funny to me. Um, it's funny to me that we believe God can do all things and then we stop thinking that when it comes to people in relationships, it's like, oh, he can raise the dead. He can open the eyes of the blind. He cleanses the leper. He heals the sick. Yeah, but he he can't, he can't get this marriage working again. We're done. You know, it's like people get to relationships and they're ready to shut everything down when we believe God can do the impossible. And obviously he can. And so we have to realize that we're called to forgive. We're called to forgive. Now look at Matthew chapter 18 and I say, do it quick. Do it very quick, quickly, I should say. Do it very quickly because understand we're commanded to be those who will forgive others, forgive our enemies. Now look at, this is Matthew 18, Verses 21 and 22, Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said, no, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times times seven, or this translation, 77 times the original 70 times seven. So imagine we're talking about one sin. (laughs) We're talking about one sin. And I've never really looked into the original language here. um, Whether it's 77 times, or as the King James, 70 times seven, which would be 490 times, but either way, that would mean each day somebody would have to commit the same exact sin against you, let's say the minimum, 77 times. <laughs> and Jesus said, I don't care if they commit the same sin against you 77 times, forgive them every one of those times. And then you're, then the mercies are new every morning. Remember the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, so you've forgiven them. And then a new day starts, and you got to start all over again. You see what I mean? Forgive them 77 times. And that's the same sin. And they'll say they did something else against you. You've got to forgive that one 77 times as well. And Rachel said, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is for our own lives and walks in God. That's exactly right. Because in the same way, and she's making this point, and it's a very important point to make, I would say, is that. You know, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean, listen, that you'll get back into fellowship with that person. Now that, that is a great point because we do need to talk about it. There are some people, and and here's the reason, there are some people who literally refuse to change, right? So I don't, they don't have to change for me to forgive them. And I think that's an important uh, point we should make is that we can't base our forgiveness on what they do in the same way that we can't base our love walk on what somebody else does. We can't base our forgiveness for them on what they do. You can't say, well, I'll only forgive you if you change your ways. No, forgive them even if they don't change their ways. That's the point Jesus is making. They're still committing the same sin against you 77 times and you keep on forgiving them. So what's the point here? She's saying in the comments, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Totally agree. You may have somebody that does something wrong to you and they never repent of it and they keep on living that way and they keep on working against you. Whatever they may do, I still forgive you. I still forgive you because here's the thing. I refuse to be held in the invisible prison of unforgiveness that will hinder, number one, my love walk, because now I'm not walking in love, which means it hinders my faith, because Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love, so if it hinders my faith, guess what else it hinders? My prayers can't be answered, because I am walking in unforgiveness, and I'm walking in a place where, where love's not functioning in my life. So one trap, one trap of unforgiveness stops our faith, stops our prayers, stops mountains from moving. All of these things stem from one little trap of offense or one little trap of unforgiveness because of betrayal. And see, that's why it's a trap. You have to recognize it and avoid the temptation to walk in unforgiveness. You see what I mean? And again... You don't have to continue to build relationship with that person. That's just abuse. You see what I mean? I'm not gonna abuse myself. I'm not gonna abuse myself by continuing to force myself to be in relationship with a betrayer. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna separate, yes, and that, gives, that takes us to uh, number three because Jesus said, forgive him 70 times seven, uh, that you should always, and we've dealt with this too on um, any day that we've we've dealt with prayer in Mark chapter 11, where the Bible says, speak to the mountain, command it to be cast into the sea, don't doubt in your heart. But nobody goes in to read verse 25. Normally people quit at verse 24. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you'll receive them and you shall have, and people get into preaching that and it's like the people start shouting, but forget, don't forget to go to verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. That's right after all of that. That's right after all of that. When you stand praying and command the mountains to move and command the miracles to happen, when you stand praying, forgive, that your Father in heaven would forgive your sins also. And so forgiveness is not an option, it's a mandate. And Jana said, what if it's family? Same thing. And of course you try to work toward loving your family. Now there is a difference between, you know, a husband or a wife, children, and then extended family, because obviously if you're, if it's your immediate family, you want God to restore it. If it's your extended family, you want God to restore it, but you don't have to see them as often as your immediate family. And so they may choose not to change, but that doesn't mean I'm going to spend every day with them. It's the point I'm making. So understand number one, I can't control people's, um, free will. Number two, I forgive immediately. That's number two. But let me give you number three. Recognize the betrayal and the betrayer. Recognize it and mark it. What is the difference with family? The difference with family is, is that you should put your family first and always try to reconcile with your family. You don't want to cut your family off. I mean, you want God to touch your family, bless your family, and you want God to restore your family faith. And so I would say work towards, I would spend more time working towards a restore, a restored relationship with family members than I did with people I was not related to. If I've got people that are not in my family and they continue to treat me that way, well, you're just not going to see me anymore. But if I've got people that are in my family that are doing that, I want my family to be restored. I want peace in my family. I'm going to do everything I can to not only restore the relationship, but to resume fellowship. Very important to think of it that way. Your family is what God's given you. He's blessed you with your family. You have to steward it properly. And it is difficult. It's not always easy. But number three, I want you to put it in, recognize the betrayer and the betrayal. Now, this is a scriptural principle. It's okay to recognize it. It's wise to recognize it. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter four, last letter Paul ever wrote. Recognize the betrayal and the betrayer, the one doing the betraying. 2 Timothy four. And uh we'll look at verse 14. <laughs> Paul's given personal instructions. Um, Sandra says, How do you honor your father and mother, but the relationship's toxic and abusive? Um, you do the honoring, you forgive the toxicity and the abusiveness, and then you you can keep a safe distance, but you keep forgiving. You keep blessing, you keep honoring, you keep sowing seeds. It's all on their side. It's not on yours. Second Timothy four. Now the Holy spirit inspired Paul to write these words, which cracks me up. This makes me laugh that the Holy ghost felt it necessary to inspire this. Look at this. Um, I'll start with verse, um, well, no, let's just start with verse 14. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is strongly opposed to our message. Hmm. Look at this. And my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it be not charged against them. Look at this. He's asking that God does not charge it against uh, these people, but that God forgive them as he is. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And so <laughs> look at this. If you go through, uh, you can identify people that blessed Paul, and those that stood against him. If you go to verse nineteen, greet uh, it's Prisca and Aquila or Priscilla and Aquila uh, of the household of On- uh, Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Uh, do your best to come for winter. So he's now now he's commending the people that were a blessing to him. But look at this. He's also calling out the one who stood against him. Now you might ask yourself, well, is this gossip? It's not gossip. This is not gossip. The Holy Spirit's not a gossip. And he inspired these words. He he didn't only identify Alexander, the coppersmith. He said, the Lord will repay him of, of his, for his deeds and you avoid him. So if you know, Now, listen, let me give you an example. Let's just say you knew somebody you used to be in a relationship with somebody and found out that, Hey, Jess, you, you were in a relationship with somebody. You found out what their true character was like. They betrayed you. They hurt you, whatever. And then later down the road, you see that someone else, you know, and love is also getting ready to enter into a relationship with that person. It's not gossip to warn that person about the character of the other. That's not gossip. That's not gossip because it's exactly what Paul's doing here. He identifies Alexander, the coppersmith. And then he said, he did me much harm. God will repay him. Notice Paul didn't say, I'm going to repay him. Paul said, God will repay him. I don't have to do it. God is the one who gets, who takes vengeance. I don't take vengeance. God does. But he said, God will repay Alexander for him standing against me and treat me the way he did. But he said this, but you avoid him. I want you guys to avoid him because that's who he is. It's okay. Why? Because Paul loved Timothy and Timothy's congregation. And so he wanted Timothy and Timothy's congregation to be able to skip the hurt, the betrayal, whatever it was Alexander was doing as he opposed and stood against the message. I want you to just miss out on all that hurt. That's not gossip. That's a warning to help. He was watching their back for him. And that's exactly what's what's right to do. So the third thing you need to do is recognize the betrayal and the betrayer. Recognize the betrayal and the betrayer. Now, it doesn't mean you go all over town running your mouth about that person and going to, I don't know if you know about this person, but let me give you about his character. But if you were saving somebody from relationship where they'd be hurt, that's a different story. It doesn't mean everyone needs to hear it. Everyone doesn't need to hear it. Everyone doesn't need to hear it. But notice, apparently, Timothy and his congregation were in close proximity to Alexander and had the ability to be harmed by Alexander. And so Paul gave him an instruction avoid him, set it by the Holy Ghost. And that's the same for you. So when I recognize it, now see, here's what people do. If you just keep living, it's just, you know, right, well, just that, that's how life is. Some people have bad days. If you live that way and never put your finger on it and say, hold on a second, wait, 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 slow it down. Slow it down a minute. I I shouldn't be treated like this. I shouldn't have this stuff going on in my life. I'm losing peace over this, losing joy over this. I'm in turmoil over this. This should be a light should go on recognize, hold on. I don't need this. I don't need this in my life. Some people never recognize that the people who say they're their friend are not really their friend and they live with them for 20 years. Well, that's my best friend. We've known each other since high school. They have not been a faithful friend to you since high school. And people don't, they're so caught up in their meth, like, you know, this is this just their their method, the way they go, their their routines. They never stopped to, ho- hold on a second. Let me identify some things here. This is not even a helpful relationship. This is not even a healthy relationship. This person's not helped me at all in my walk with Christ. They've pulled me away from God. They want me to do things that are displeasing. They, you know, they they don't even identify. I'm telling you that the third thing you've got to do to deal with betrayal is identify the betrayer and the betrayal and you watch it. Peace is what you want. Joy is what you want. Nothing wrong with blocking a few numbers. Nothing wrong with, with blocking a few accounts. Nothing wrong with separating some people uh, from your life. Not everybody's called to be with you. You know, Paul even told them to do this in the church. I mean, he said, mark those and identify those that cause divisions. What are they doing? A division is a form of betrayal. They're dividing the body of Christ and it's causing harm to the body. Paul said, identify them, mark them. Warn them once, warn them twice, and then have nothing more to do with them. That's an early church, New Testament, first century block. Blocked your account. Have nothing more to do with them. That's what Paul taught by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So notice he didn't say stick with them for 20 years and just keep praying, keep praying that they'll change. No, he didn't say that. Warn them once, warn them twice. There's the grace. There's the mercy, by the way. Three strikes and you're out is a biblical principle. (laughs) I don't know if you know that. Maria said, what about people who are hurt by the church and they feel like they're warning everyone about that church because of their hurt? Um, it, It depends. Depends on the kind of hurt. Depends on if they were abused. You know, it depends on what's, what's going on. But if people just got offended and went around and start, start talking bad about the church because they don't like the way the church leads and they don't like the way the pastor leads and they don't like the way that the church functions, they've got a problem and God will judge them for that. God will judge them for that. So understand three strikes and you're out is a biblical principle, warn them once, warn them twice, and then have nothing more to do with them. (laughs) Amen. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. Very interesting. Because see, here's why. You start to realize um, it's dangerous to have division. Dangerous to have division. Let me read you the reference so that you have it. It's Titus chapter three. And... um, I'll start reading with verse nine, Titus three, nine, and I'll read through 11, Titus three, nine through 11, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. Verse 10, as for a person who stirs up divisions, After warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. Now, this is a pastoral epistle. Of course, you know that Uh, Titus is one of the pastoral epistles. So this is an instruction to how a pastor should deal with those in the church that are causing divisions in the body. You don't have pastors that have the balls to do that these days. Most of them don't. We did and do. And you know, the the sad thing is there's a lot of weak leaders with no spines in the pulpit who are more worried about offending people than doing what the Bible says to do. So that's why they don't run their own churches. They allow people in the church to run the church. They, they allow their board to run the church, all those things. And that's why you have weak churches. And we have board-led churches or family, whatever family has the most money and influence in the church runs the church uh, and does basically, and the pastor is just a hireling. Elizabeth put a basketballs in the comments, basketballs. Oh, um, you know, understand a pastoral epistle. The epistles were the letters that the apostles wrote An epistle is just like a letter. And so there were certain letters that were written to churches, faith, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But then there were letters that were written that were like pastoral epistles, like First and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. You know, these were written uh, and they're called pastoral epistles because they were written not to the churches, but to the pastors. And so that's the difference. And so he's instructing a pastor in this letter instead of instructing a church. However, the church would follow the lead of the pastor and they would disassociate themselves from that person who won't stop stirring up divisions. So what are they doing? Marking that one. They're marking that one and they're recognizing what they're doing. And then they're not just the betrayal or the divisions they are stirring up, but the person who's doing the stirring up and they mark them. And then if the grace and mercy fail, what I mean by that is I've given you mercy once, given you grace once, I've given you a warning, given you mercy twice, given you grace twice. It's a warning. You've got time to repent and turn. But then if you keep on doing it, peace, because this is the sheepfold, And Jesus cares more about his sheep than he does about one wolf in the fold that won't change. And so what do you do? You have to protect those that God's given you and you remove those that cause harm amen amen. if i had a kid you know and kids play but if i you know well i'm not even gonna make that that analogy you you know where i'm coming from uh number three is recognize you don't just recognize the betrayal you recognize the betrayer and many people need to be introspective about their life because you got people in there that are causing those kinds of problems and your life could be a whole lot more peaceful, joyful, and loving just by forgiving them and then marking them and understanding number four. So let me give them to you again. Number one, recognize I can't control other people's actions. Number two, I immediately forgive betrayal. Immediately forgive it. Number three, I recognize betrayals and betrayers. I recognize them. I recognize them. And then number four, I purposely separate from them. I purposely separate from them. Now, you know, obviously that this, as I just read to you in scripture, and this isn't the only place by the way that scripture teaches this. Um, but at the same time, one thing we know Um, is that you're not going to feel the same. You're not going to feel the same about a person that has betrayed you, even though you gave them grace and mercy the first time, like the Bible says. You won't feel the same. You'll be a little bit watchful. (laughs) Throw a hand up in the comments if you know you'll be a little bit watchful of that person after you know they've done the betraying of you. Of course you will. But listen to 2 Thessalonians 3.14, same thing. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Look at that. I'll read that again to you. That's 2 Thessalonians 3.14. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.14. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, notice there's people that just refuse to obey the word of God. He said, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. Paul again, Paul dropping the hammer again. Let's go to Romans 16. I'll show you another place. If you think I'm just cherry picking scriptures and it's just, a, well, he found one place in the Bible where they said, no, there's two. Let me give you a third one. Romans 16 verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions. This is Romans 16, 17, and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions. Create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Avoid them. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. There's three places that Paul said the same thing to the churches. Once to pastors and twice to churches. Avoid them have nothing to do with them, you see that? And so there's a key here, (laughs) I know you can see the key, you can't avoid such a one or mark such a one if you don't recognize them first. And that's why number three is you've got to recognize, know what it looks like, know what it looks like when somebody is not treating you the way the Bible teaches that you be treated. Know what that looks like, know what it feels like, You know, some people have had such poor relationships through their whole life that they don't recognize what a good one is. So you've got to be able to mark it and you've got to be able to identify who they are and what's going on. And then you separate. And you you need to be very careful about it because relationships can destroy. What does the Bible say? Bad company. Corrupts good character, bad company, corrupts good character. Relationships can destroy. You need to be very careful about who you hang around, who you're with. Do you know, if we read the letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthian church, he said to them in second Corinthians chapter six, he deals with them about relationships by Felipe. (laughs) That's apparently the female version of by Felicia (laughs) by Felipe. (laughs) Yeah. You have to pray, Don, understand something. Uh, You have to pray. You have to believe God because that's something that is uh, set up by God. Now, listen, He writes this letter to the Corinthians, immature believers, and the Holy Spirit writes through Paul, listen, verse 14, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord does Christ have with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. You see that. So uh, in this passage here, it's very, very clear that Paul is instructing them. Be very careful about joining yourself together in relationship with people who are unbelievers. You don't have any fellowship with them. You've got no fellowship with them. What, well, in what way, why would the living live among the dead? Why would the living surround themselves with the dead? That's the point he's making. Light with darkness, righteousness with lawlessness. Why would the living live among the dead? And see, it's not that we don't love unbelievers because we do. It's not that we don't minister to them because we do. God's heart is the souls of men and women. We know that. But understand at the same time that Paul marked those that would not submit to the word. Paul warned the churches, don't be yoked together with them in relationship. Even in the Old Testament, God said, when you go into the promised land, don't marry their women. Don't He said, tear down their idols, their statues, their, their Asherah poles, and don't intermarry with them. And then he said, uh, stay separated, stay holy, but notice they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And what happens? The Bible says the next generation rose up, put it back up. I'm going to pray in a minute. The next generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It only took one generation of people connected to pagans to lose their relationship with God. Not 20 generations, one. That's why it's so vital. That's why it's so vital. Uh, Ethan, breaking, Ethan says, please pray for me. I just had an ultrasound for my baby and they have no heartbeat and we need a miracle. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this baby in Jesus' name, healing virtue. Work a miracle, Lord. Bring that heartbeat back. Give life to that baby. In Jesus' name, let there be a perfect delivery, perfect birth, no issues, no hiccups. And take all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. But notice this. You can connect with an unbeliever and that relationship, of... Uh, tempt you to make decisions that would pull you from God. And so what's actually happening is that relationship takes life in your life. It has its own life and it is, it's moving you in one direction or the other. Let me give you a principle that will help you for the rest of your life. Number one, every, and this is something you should write down because it really is. If this is one of those life laws that you really should write down and, and always remember Every relationship is moving you in one direction or the other. There are none that are in neutral. I want you to understand that. There are none that are neutral. Every relationship is moving you in one direction or the other. No neutral relationships. And you've got to identify which direction it is. Because what what you'll find out is that uh, there are some, as the Bible teaches, that are moving you in a direction, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, that Paul's teaching, um, that is a place that, what we would call displeasing to the Lord, out of his plan for your life. But then there's other relationships that are moving you toward God's plan for your life. I would look at it as the difference between Samson and Delilah and the man who was paralyzed with the friends that had carried his mat. So Delilah was trying to take Samson's power, take his uh, calling, take his purpose from him, uh, hinder what really God had called him to be and called him to do. Whereas the man on the mat, he had friends that were taking him toward Jesus toward what God wanted him to do, taking him toward the anointing. And so really, every relationship uh, is moving you in one direction or another. I want you to write it in your notes, put it in your fly leaf of your Bible if you have to, and then you're introspective. And then you're looking, you're identifying, you're breaking down every one and saying, Lord, uh, what should I do with this one, this one, and be led by the Spirit. You'll know, you'll know almost immediately what you should do, very important. And so Paul's instruction was, if you see it as a constant, just separate yourself there. You know, what's crazy is in the, in this generation we live, people think that's crazy. They would think that that's the opposite of Christianity. What do you mean you've cut him off? What do you mean you've cut her off? What do you mean you don't talk to them anymore? I thought you were a Christian. I am. That's why I don't talk to him anymore. That's so why I cut them off. Because the Bible commands me to. <laughs> Have you ever, you ever, think of that? Because people, if they heard that today, especially with all this hyper grace teaching, what are you talking about? That you don't talk to them anymore. You don't, you don't fellowship with them anymore. You don't hang with them anymore. What do you mean? I thought you were a Christian. We're supposed to love all people. I do love them. I love them from far, far away. Far, far away. And I do mean that. I do love them. I do want God's best for them. I do pray that God blesses and touches, but from far Far away. Why? Because I don't want them bringing all of that drama into my life. I don't want that in my life. (laughs) Far, far away. Long ago. Far away. Once upon a time. Yeah. Far away. Why? Because you have to stay walking in love, but you also have to protect your environment. Amen. That's exactly right, AJ. You know what's crazy is if we're talking about Jesus, Jesus didn't hang with everybody. The religious leaders of the day didn't even get Jesus' attention except unless he was rebuking them. And then he did he did have people he ministered to all the time. Crowds. Like literally multitudes. But notice that the multitudes didn't go with him everywhere. He'd minister to them, then he'd leave them, but he had 12 that he handpicked that he was close with, but catch this, even among the 12, there was still an inner circle. There were levels or layers to Jesus relationships. He ministered to sinners. He blessed the crowds. He had disciples, but he had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. That was the inner three. If you didn't know, they were up with him on the mountain of transfiguration. They're the ones that he took to raise Jairus's daughter from the dead, Peter, James, and John. They were the inner circle of Christ. The other nine weren't as tight with Jesus as those three. It's just plain. So there were layers. Doesn't mean Jesus didn't love the multitudes. He loved them. He ministered to them. But they weren't around him, tight with him on a daily basis. Say with us we can love the sinner, which we do. We minister to the sinner. We minister to those that are weak in faith. We, but listen, I don't have to be best friends with everybody. And that's the mistake many people make. They feel like they've got to be best friends with everybody. You don't. Protect yourself, keep yourself from drama. Do you realize how wonderful? your life will be with all of that drama removed, with all of that oppression removed, you know, just by literally, let me just give you a very basic example, like to me, a very basic example. There've been people that I know, that I still may see to this day, and may still eat with them, whatever, but I have literally stopped following them on social media. Not only have I stopped following on, on social media, I have asked, now I've not blocked them per se, but I've stopped following them and I've also asked social media networks to hide their content from me. I still follow them. But you know, you can you can ask some, some social media networks to hide people's content or just don't show it to you. And so I'll say like silence this account or you know, don't show it to me. And, um, and, and I've done that because Here's why I would be scrolling through my feed, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, I don't really go on Facebook anymore, except to post things for the ministry, but I I would go on and, uh, and I would see their stuff. I'd see what they were doing or I'd see what they were saying. And I would instantly just get irritated. Like what the heck is wrong with this person? Like, what are they doing? They know better. Why are they saying like, why are they talking like that, saying those things, doing that? It's like, what the heck? And and then I like bent out of shape about it. Like, I need to call this person. I think, what the heck is their problem? Like, what is the issue? Like, you know, and you get all worked up and then you realize like, I just spent 15 minutes getting worked up over something. Even if I didn't respond or go into a Facebook debate or whatever, it's like, I just realized I just spent 15 minutes of my day, maybe more, maybe it carried it with me throughout the day and just like thought about it again. Like man, what a what a jerk. I can't, you know what I mean? Like what a dummy. Why would they do that? Say that? Why would they? And then I realized I'm getting all bent out of shape, has nothing to do with me. It's just something that like passed over my eyes as I'm scrolling. I was like, I don't need that. Those are like 40 minutes of the day, an hour of the day, however much I thought about it or how much it affected me you know, and telling Carolyn, you, can you believe this? I can't understand that. I don't understand what the heck they're doing. And I realize I'm allowing like irritation in my house. I'm allowing it in my life, in my mind for no reason. They didn't do it to me. They didn't even say it to me. They just posted it publicly on social media. And I'm like, what, I can't believe that. So instead of that, here, here's a novel idea. I'm just going to hide their posts. I'm just not going to look at their stuff. I'm going to unfollow them. And I'm going to just say, don't show me, don't show me their stuff anymore. Because if that's what it's producing, I need some form of a separation to keep me in my peace. I'm guarding my heart above all else for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4:23. above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. So I'm doing that. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I don't need to look at that again. I don't need to have their drama in my life again. I erase all drama. So what do I mean by that? If I can identify any source of drama in my life, it gets erased. I won't ever go out to eat with you again. I won't ever spend time with you again. I won't have you over to my house anymore. I will not have you on my social media. I won't call you. I don't need to text you. If I know that you can't get free from drama and we've tried, listen, I don't need any more of that. Nobody does. Nobody does. There's too much to do in life to be embroiled in other people's drama and issues, especially if they're betrayers. Don't need it. I'm going to do what Paul said, what the Holy Ghost said and separate myself. I'm going to separate myself. And so should you. And then let me give you number five. Uh, number five is this. I just give you three scriptures for separation, but let me give you this one before we pray today because I know people have dealt with it. I know people have gone through it and I understand, I understand, but we can take actions. You know, someone can commit an offense, but we don't have to be offended. We can forgive, but let me give you number five and we'll go to, uh, let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter six. Go there with me. Galatians 6. This isn't even my highlighter, is it? That's someone else's highlighter. Here's mine on the floor. What? What did you say? I know. Well, I could tell because it was like all dried out. It was like, I don't let my highlighters dry out. Um, (laughs) that highlighter was bringing me irritation and drama in my life had to separate myself from it Um, Galatians chapter 6 let's go let's go to verse number 7 because this is number 5 this is where we're (laughs) this is where we're going to this is where we're going to hang our hat look at this Galatians 6 7 do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, <laughs> that will he also reap. Whatever one's sows, <laughs> people are making fun of me on the comments, they're all laughing at me, green m and only, this isn't mine, <laughs> prima donna on the broadcast, this is Ted's highlighter, somebody put a sticker on it, Did you not see that it had my name on the highlighter? Did you confuse it with a highlighter that had your name on it? Did you not see the little poem I wrote on top of the highlighter? It may have been a limerick of some kind. Yes, you gotta guard your pens. Anybody that's ever had a good pen where it writes really well, you know you gotta guard that pen and you gotta guard your People will take your pens. Guard your pens. Guard your highlighters. That's all I'm saying. That's a word of wisdom for people in church. People will take your highlighter. They'll take your pen. Whatsoever a man sows, that... (laughs) Hannah Campbell knew it. My sandwich, Ross Geller. (laughs) That's exactly what it was from. My sandwich. (laughs) I had to see a counselor today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it depends. The, um, the fifth thing I want to give you, and I want you to write it in the comments before we derail, is this. <laughs> so loyalty. So loyalty. Very important. Why? Because the Bible says, "Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap." You can sow seeds of loyalty that will produce, produce harvests of loyalty. No question. How I'm treating others above me now is how I'm going to be treated by the others that are under me later. It's exactly right. I'm still getting comments about the Ross Keller thing. How you're treating others now is how you're going to be treated. You know, we understood that even as kids, they would tell us if you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. All they were teaching was that there's a seed sown of friendship, kindness. You know, I, I actually put this to work in my own high school. I tested this out firsthand to see if it would really work and it did work. It blew my mind, and it did work. There was this girl. She was a goth. She dressed in all black, black everything. She was angry all the time. She was putting spells on teachers. I mean, whatever she could do, she would. She would do, like, these little incantations, and, like, if you said something that made her mad, she would, like, curse you. Um, And so I was like, all right. So she was mad. She was in my homeroom, and I would see her. We'd come in. I think we only had homeroom, like, once uh, a week, something like that. And I would come in the homeroom, and there she'd be sitting with her angry face in the morning. And I would come in like the big, uh, loud, type A personality, uh, outgoing, uh, obnoxious person that I am. And I would just walk over to her desk and start complimenting the heck out of this girl. Like, oh, it's so good to see you look so nice today. Look at the beautiful... Uh, black brings out the pupils in your eyes such a beautiful look on you the black eyeliner and the black lipstick and the black fingernail polish Beautiful looks so good today And she would you know, she would get all mad and get away from me and stop talking to me and i shut up And you know all this but I didn't stop because I'm just that persistent and out every single time I saw her Hey, it's so good to see you. Oh, you look so good. Oh, man It's great to see you again today and all this I would just always and finally one day she uh um she finally got all exasperated. She was like, ah, oh, why do you still talk to me? And she was like, and then she literally started kind of breaking down. She was like, I've been so, I've always been nasty to you. I don't understand why you still talk to me. And then from that day forward, there's like a breakthrough. It's like from that day forward, nobody would ever see this. I would come in a homeroom and she would smile at me. That was like something to see those pearly white teeth from inside those black lips. <laughs> she would literally, She'd smile at me, she'd say hi to me, she would be nice to me. Now, literally, she still hated everyone else. She was still mad at everybody else, but something had broken through with me. What was the difference? When I would come in, what was I doing? Sowing, sowing, sowing. Friendship, kindness, love. Friendship, kindness, love. I never stopped. I didn't stop until the seed produced a harvest. And literally, it changed her whole personality, not towards everyone, just toward me others didn't have the harvest coming to them that i had coming to me because of the fact i was the one sowing what am i doing sowing love sowing friendship sowing kindness sowing peace sowing joy and what what to do change the whole situation change the whole situation she became my friend at that point and so it's it's literally it doesn't just work with money. People read that verse and think it's all about just money. It's not about whatsoever a man sows. Uh, only and in the context it is, in the context of Galatians six, it is about finances. But if you look at the principle of the word, uh, Genesis eight twenty two, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Whatsoever a man sows, so. It's kindness, it's love, it's joy, it's finances, it's faithfulness, it's loyalty. And so what am I doing? I am making a decision to sow loyalty, not betrayal, loyalty. That's why if you ever do get to a place where you you decide to change churches, leave churches, whatever it might be, you don't just up and leave your church. If you ever decide to change jobs, You don't just up and leave your job and just say, well, where'd he go? I don't know. He never came back after that one Friday. We never saw him again. No, you speak to your boss. You give them time to find somebody else to fill your position. You say, hey, listen, I've got another job that I'm going to be transitioning to. Wanted to give you plenty of time to get somebody in place. Make sure that you can handle. You sow that faithfulness. You don't just up and leave a church and never talk to your pastor and thank him for all that he's sown into your life and bring him an offering and bless him and tell him, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for teaching me the word. Thank you for raising me up. Thank you for training me up. All of those things. You say up and leave. You you go and you do it with honor. You do it with faithfulness. You do it with respect. And that's the key. When you sow that, that comes back to you. That seed produces a harvest. Sowing and reaping, it's a kingdom principle and literally it never ceases, never ends. And it will always produce a harvest. Always. It always does. Hallelujah. It always does. And so let me break these down quickly. What do you do? How do you handle betrayal? Well, number one, you have to just recognize I can't control people's free will or their actions. These things will happen. Some people are jerks. And they'll just do what they do. And as Jesus said, go and do what your heart is set to do. Just go do it. I'm not going to try to change everybody. They'll do what they do. Number two, forgive them immediately. Forgive them immediately. That doesn't mean you have to reconcile in such a way that uh, you might be able to. You might be able to get back in relationship. But the thing is, some people just don't want to change. They don't mind hurting you. They don't mind betraying you. They don't mind treating you that way. So you got to be rec- you got to recognize that if that's who they are, I forgive you. But number three, I recognize you. I recognize you, Alexander the Coppersmith. I recognize who you are, what you do, and I know now. Now that I know, I will react differently and treat you. I'll keep. I will keep a buffer between me and thee. It's true, Christina. It is abuse, and I'm not going to abuse myself by continuing to put myself in those positions. After I recognize, which is number three, I separate. The Bible teaches it. We do it. Find a way to separate while still loving. If it's a family member, find a way to separate while still honoring, while still serving, while still loving that person. You just cut them off, never speak to them again. That's not right. That's not right. But you do have to keep a buffer. Thank you, Janine. Number five, you sow loyalty. You sow faithfulness hallelujah you sow loyalty you sow faithfulness you got to do it you've got to do it because see whatever a man sows that will he also reap and i understand and boundaries is a great book by the way uh bonnie i don't know if she was referring to the book or just saying create boundaries but dr henry cloud wrote a great book that every one of you should read called boundaries Uh, And you can find it on Amazon, you can get the ebook, paperback, whatever. But Dr. Henry Cloud wrote that book, Boundaries, and it is important. Why? Because we, now think about this thought before we pray. We teach other people how to treat us. Think about that. We teach other people how to treat us. Let me give you an example. There are no bad kids at the beginning. There's only bad leaders and parents. That's all there is. Poor parenting, poor leaders. There are no bad children. You're not born a bad child. And I don't mean that in the form of they're not born a sinner. Everybody is born into sin, shaping an iniquity. We're all born, fallen short of the glory of God. I get that. But what I'm saying is When you see how children act in the home or in public or at school or at the store, there are no bad children. They're not born bad. It's just bad parenting. We've not taught our children how to act. We've not created any boundaries for the children that cause them to act a certain way toward their parents. We were at the store the other day and Carolyn was at the store and there was this little girl in a ballerina tutu begging her mom for something at the checkout, begging her mom. I want, and throwing a tantrum. Thank you, Tracy. Throwing a tantrum, I want this, I want this. And her mom's like, we're not gonna get that today. We're not getting, that's not for, We're not. I'm not buying that today. And so her mom finally knelt down to talk to her and said, I'm not buying that today. That little girl in the tutu hauled off and slapped her mom's face. Slapped her mom's face. Whew. I'm just having to take a breath because I felt my own mortality <laughs> just in saying that example. I can't imagine ever doing that as a kid. First of all, telling my mom no or throwing a fit or whatever, but to lay my hands on my parents, I wouldn't even be here to preach to you today. I would not be here to bring the word of God to you this morning if I had conducted my life in that way. But again, My parents created boundaries. They taught me how to respond to them. They taught me how to live. Yeah, that's what Ben said, the same thing. I'd not be here today if I ever did that. Absolutely not. But you know what it is? It's not that that girl started out as a bad girl. She was just a little girl like everybody else until her parents by their actions taught her that she can act like that and get away with it. She can act like that and it's fine. You can treat us like that and it's okay. That's what's going on there is that there are no boundaries. And what we're showing people is we, we're teaching them how to treat us. Nancy's speaking in tongues. She can't deal with it. She's speaking in tongues in the comments for on behalf of that girl. <laughs> Steph said my Puerto Rican mom would have had me spitting teeth. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Bonnie. That's exactly right. And so If we don't create them, see, we're teaching other people how to treat us. And not only that, our seeds are determining how we'll be treated. Amen. And so I'm just encouraging you because you don't have to let betrayal be the end of your story. You don't have to let it be the end of your victory, the end of your life. You just move past it. You forgive, you mark it, you identify it, you separate, you sow loyalty and you move on past it. You move on past it. Who cares? Who cares? You just keep on move past, you move on past it. You know, there was a man, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, when he first started uh, ministering and he needed the meetings. I mean, he was early in the ministry, but this man who was also a pastor um, started telling other preachers wrong things. They were erroneous. They were lies about Dr. Rodney. And encouraging them not to have him in, or not, and to try to cancel his meetings, and try to get him, you know, blacklisted, if you will. And um, he, it would get back to Dr. Rodney. He said another thing about you. He spread more rumors about you. He lied more about you. He told other pastors not to have you. And do you know what Dr. Rodney did to keep his heart right? I thought this was a great story. To keep his heart right, every time that he heard that that pastor said another thing about him did another thing uh, to try to work against him, you know what he would do? He would send that pastor and his wife a big fruit basket. <laughs> Every single time he would get back to him. So-and-so said this about you. So-and-so, he told me this and he's t- blah, blah, blah. It would send another one and he'd send another fruit basket. He'd bless him with a fruit basket. Why? To not get into unforgiveness, to not get a place where he's not walking in love, to not get into a place where he couldn't have the victory, where his prayers would stop working, his faith would stop working, miracles would stop manifesting. How did he protect himself? Bless those that curse you. Bless those that curse you. Bless those that curse you. And so you don't let it hold you. You move on from it and you keep your heart right. You move on from it. I had a pastor when I was first starting out, when I really, really needed every offering that came in, every offering needed every single dollar that came into our ministry, because it was literally, it wasn't that we had excess at that time. We were making it, we were building, building the ministry from, from scratch and the Lord was helping us. And so I had this pastor, she said, uh, you're in the area. I'd like you to come by and preach a one night meeting at my church. I said, I'm happy to do it. And I was happy to do it because I needed every single night that I could get. And so uh, we went to the church and there were people who knew us in that area. So a lot of them, you know, attended that night and we had business people, people that knew us, people that wanted to partner with us. And she said, now you preach, lay hands on people, have a meeting, do whatever, you know, and take your own offering, receive it for your ministry at the end. I said, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. So I got up, preached, we had a powerful meeting. We had a lady healed of a tumor that night. She had a tumor, uh, instantly healed, tumor left her body. All these things began, people got saved. Powerful move of the Holy Ghost. And then at the end of the service, I stood up and I gave our vision for our ministry and I received the offering. Well, I started watching. People started coming to give, everybody, and the place was full and everybody was giving toward our ministry. And uh, I know for certain that we had friends and partners of our ministry attend that one night meeting, people that own their own businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, sowing largely because they believe in our ministry, sowing largely into our ministry. And uh, when that service came to an end that night, one of her assistants came up to me and handed me a white envelope. And I said, thank you very much. And this girl, you know, it wasn't like a, a presentation. She just kind of handed me a white envelope. And I said, oh, thank you very much. And I, I went, when I got back to change my clothes, I looked in the white envelope and there were five $20 bills. Five $20 bills. For those of you that are slow on the uptake, that's $100. $100. And I thought, that was so nice of that girl to sow that seed of $100 cash into me. I said, that was so kind, so nice. And um, I started getting a feeling though, later, that that was the offering that they were gonna give me from that night. And I said, no, there's no way. I mean, we had all those people sowing toward our ministry. There's no way that this pastor is going to give me $100 cash And I had a feeling though, I had a feeling in my spirit, betrayal is in the house. Fevery is in the house. And I said, oh, no, there's no way that a pastor would do that. And uh, so we went out and I took uh, myself, my wife, whoever was with us, her, the pastor and her staff, all of her team. uh, And we went to Steak and Shake, which was right down the street from the church, went to Steak and Shake. And uh, everybody, we had a big table of people, everybody ordered. And I made sure I took that bill. I had, I was almost positive at this point. I was like, at this point, I was like 90 something percent sure that that was my offering. And so I said, I, I, I made sure I got the bill for everybody. And uh, it was something like, you know, 85, $90, something like that. And I took those five twenties and I paid for everybody's everybody's meal at the table, paid for the pastor, her staff, all the people there with us, of course my own family, took the 20s and paid for everybody's meal. And uh, I walked out and um, as we were leaving, I said, well, you know, I'm at least gonna, you know, give her an opportunity to to, uh, do what's right. So I said, hey pastor, I said, just wanna make sure, I didn't know if you were gonna write one check to our ministry for all the the, uh, seeds that were sown tonight, whatever, uh, how you were gonna do that, wire it to our ministry. Uh, she said, Oh no. She said, I thought my, my, uh, <laughs> she said, I thought my administrator took care of you already. I said, Oh, I said, yeah, she did. I said, she did. I said, I just didn't know if it was okay, uh, for your bookkeeping, uh, to give it to me in cash like that. And she said, that's fine. You'd be blessed. You'd be blessed with that. I said, Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and what I do, I just took the money and I used it to bless her and her team. We went out to eat. I paid for their Food. And I've not, ne- I'm not holding that again. I'm not like, literally, you know what I actually prayed? Let, let me tell you the truth about it. I did pray this and I'm laughing about it. I'm not holding that in my heart. You're not here like, let me tell you, people will steal from you on the road. There's people that'll take your offerings. There's people that'll take your money. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like up here upset about it. Uh, I'm laughing about it. But let me let me give you a key here. Let me tell you something that I also prayed on purpose for this pastor and her, her, her own, her, herself personally. I said, Lord, <laughs> this is honestly my prayer. I said, Lord, thank you for every person that came and sowed tonight. Thank you for every offering that was given. And I knew it was given to us. I said, Lord, do me a favor. I said, I pray number one, that you would forgive this woman from stealing from our ministry. I said, but Lord, it's not stealing. I said, Lord, forgive her, it's not stealing. I said, I'm telling you this Lord, I sow all of that money, whatever money came in, I sow that money into her church, her ministry, whatever, wherever it was that came in, it was probably thousands. Whatever came in, I said, Lord, I sow it to her ministry. She didn't take it from me. I give it, you know, what I'm doing, don't you saving her soul from hell (laughs) that's, you know, all thieves will find their place in the lake of fire. I'm praying for her. I'm, I'm turning it over. Lord, let it be hers. It, I saw it. It's hers. She didn't steal it from me. I gave it to her in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Well, obviously she's not even in the ministry anymore. That church doesn't even exist anymore. And obviously you can tell why you can't be a thief and God continue to bless you, but I'm not going to hold that. I'm not going to hold that in my heart for the rest of my life and say, "Oh, you know, you've got people steal from me. You oh, got to be careful." I'm not going to become one of these people that's so paranoid. I'm not going to do something so paranoid that now everywhere I go, I think hey, these people steal from you. You've got to watch these people. These pastors are th- all of them. They're thieves. You got to watch them. And then I set things into place where uh, you know that because now I don't trust pastors, I have to set things into place. And there are preachers that do this. Like, uh, they'll they'll say stuff like this pastor, as your, as your staff counts the offering for tonight, I need two or three of my people to be back in the room with your team as they count the offering, just to make sure everything's on the up and up. Literally there's preachers that'll do that. I need to have two of my people in with your counters as they count my offering to make sure nobody's taking it. Like they'll do that. There's people that are so paranoid that they're being stolen from. And yes, we know why it does happen. But you know what I have to make up in my mind? The Lord will make it up. He'll take care of me. You can't steal from me enough to stop my blessing. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 631 that when the thief is found, he has to pay back everything he's stolen seven times. That's a 700% increase. I actually do better when I'm stolen from than when I'm not stolen from. You understand? And you can't stop my, my increase because I'm a sower. I'm a giver and my harvest has to come. So you know what I do? I don't say, and and, and Lena makes a great point. Look, look where God's brought our ministry. You can't steal from us enough. You can't steal from us enough. God's hand of blessings on the ministry. So you understand if God's the one blessing, who's gonna curse? You can't curse what God's blessed. And I say that as I'm finishing to tell the same thing to you. You may have been betrayed. You may have been spoken against. You may have been worked against but they can't curse you, you can't curse what God's blessed. There's not enough curse on the earth to stop God's children walking by his word. So don't be discouraged, don't lose the victory, you can't be cursed if you're blessed. And and understand, they will pay the penalty for them doing what they did, but you stay in a place of blessing by forgiving, by separating yourself, and by recognizing, and by walking in that place of sowing faithfulness sowing loyalty, God will bless you and he'll bless you abundantly. Trust me on that. And God is going to bless you. I'm going to pray for those of you that are watching and those that are listening. You may have dealt with this. You may have had it in the past, but from this day forward, I pray that all things turn in your favor and that you can quickly identify those that are working against you. Those that have bad intentions for your life, ministry, or family, and that you will see peace flood your home, flood your soul, and that everything that is a, a, a hindrance, an irritation will be removed, that you'll be able to take action and walk in it. See, because when you walk in that overwhelming joy, it's strength, peace, it's strength. You walk in that, it leads you forward into victory. That's the story that we're going to have victory because we're the victory tribe. We're going to have never ending victory in Jesus name. Bow your head. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy toward us. Thank you for giving us the mind of Christ. We can see in the spirit. We can see what others can't see. So today I'm asking you that you would give us the grace, the power by the spirit to forgive. When people speak against us, work against us, take actions of offense against us, we're quick to forgive in Jesus name. I pray for those that are watching or listening that have had things happen in the past and the enemy has used it to hold a grudge, cause them to hold a grudge towards people, their brother, their sister, even if the person's an unbeliever. Father, today, I pray that you would heal that, that you would remove that spirit of unforgiveness. And I thank you that from this day forward, we're quick to forgive, but Lord, give us the ability to see and identify These betrayals, even let us see it ahead of time before it happens and before we're hurt by it, by the gifts of the spirit, let us locate it and have a a word ahead of time to be prepared. Not only will we recognize it, but Lord, we'll be faithful and strong enough, bold enough to separate ourselves from it in Jesus name. And then Lord, give us the grace and strength to walk in so loyalty and faithfulness. I pray in Jesus name that you would make us impactful people. Don't let these things hold us back, but move them out of the way. Blow your breath from heaven and blow through our hearts, blow through our souls, blow through our minds. And Lord, if we've stood in a place of unforgiveness in the past, forgive us, forgive us. And let us walk in love, joy, and peace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. If you receive what I prayed today, I want you to throw some hands up in the comments section and let me know you're standing with me in agreement. No more unforgiveness. No more walking in a place of paranoia. I mean, that shows that the, the enemies, you've allowed the enemy to steal your trust. To steal your trust. But from this day, we're walking in strength in Jesus' name. Walking in strength. I want to say thanks, too, to everybody that sowed while I was teaching. And I want to encourage those of you that are watching and listening now to sow. Maybe you're listening on the podcast later If you swipe up to the description of the podcast, there are links that you can click to sow seed into this ministry. Um, Or you can always just go to miracleword.com and sow a seed right on the website and all of the ways. They can put the giving strip up so people can see the ways to give. Um, There are always all the ways to give are on the website. Uh, But of course, you can use hashtag donate. If you're in Twitter or Facebook, um, the username for Venmo and Cash App is the same, MW And then, of course, PayPal is available around the world, MiracleWord.com. But now, Zelle is set up for those that like to do Zelle transfers, and your bank uses that, and you have the app. You can use info at MiracleWord.com, just like PayPal, uh, for Zelle transfers as well. And I want to say thanks to those of you that are sewing. I really appreciate it. Kristen, thank you for commenting today, and thanks for watching today. Appreciate all of you guys. Um, My gift to you for the month of March is this awesome book by Brother Kenneth Hagin entitled The Will of God in Prayer. He has such amazing teaching uh, on the subject of prayer and did for his whole ministry. This book will open you up to see things you may have never seen and strengthen you in prayer. If you'd like to get it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Once you've sown your seed and you're partnering with us, at $85 or more, and then of course, if you're sewing largely today, $1,000 or more, as many are doing now, uh, we're going to send you included with that, the Life Application Study Bible, genuine leather, and uh, I love that, man. I was just going over it again this morning. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Kelly said, is there a way to sew directly to Miracle Word Kids to help grow them too? And there is a way to do that. So if you'd like to go and sow directly to Miracle Word Kids, when you go to the give page, there's a drop down on the giving page where you can choose Miracle Word Kids to appropriate your offering for that specific purpose. I think there's uh, the ministry fund. I think there's Miracle Word Kids uh, is nonstop mom in there as well, uh, and so there's there's ways that you can uh, do that on our website, miracleword.com. But when you go to the give page. Look for that drop down, and you'll see it has nonstop mom. It has miracle word kids. So I'm, so thank you for that. And there are other people that have done the same. They said we really want to sew into miracle word kids, um, and so there. You, that's the way you can do that. And, and we say thanks for doing it. Appreciate you very much. Um, you know, one of the things that I would encourage you is, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say more. Yes, Viola, there is Zell. If you'd like to use Zell. Once again, the email address you're looking for is on the screen right now. Info at miracleword.com is the Zell transfer email. And thank you for that. Um, I'll talk, I'm gonna send you something personally, those that are connected with me. But uh, we've got people that are standing with us for the specific purpose of seeing the gospel preached around the world. And I really see it as like an elite force because people have stepped up And are sowing largely. And now that we are on television around the world, people are standing with us uh, by faith and they're really stepping up. I'm very, very proud of you because it shows that you've caught the vision of what God's doing around the world. And uh, there's others that I know that the Lord is speaking to you to really stand with us uh, in a big way, in a big way, as we're preaching the gospel around the world. And so I want to encourage those of you that the Lord's really speaking to, to see that now that we're over 150 million homes a week in nations all over the world. I mean, I haven't even counted them up. I know it's just 50 nations in Africa alone, plus the UK nations, plus where it's reaching out of Pakistan, all the island nations of the Caribbean. There's tons of nations being touched weekly, but you're a part of that by standing with us financially. It's like an elite squad really of people that are saying you know what time's running out Jesus is coming and we want to do all we can to see the gospel preached I say thank you but maybe the Lord's speaking to you today do something large a thousand five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars twenty five thousand dollars do what the Lord is telling you to do because realize it time is short Jesus is coming and there are souls that need to be saved uh, before it's too late and maybe God's saying hey partner with Miracle Word, partner with Ted and Carolyn. When you go to miracleword.com, you can partner with us and set up a monthly seed to sow. Do something that means something to you. Whether that's $100 a month, you know, $250 a month, maybe you're at a place where you can do the $85 a month. Whatever you do, do it by faith and watch what God'll do in your life. We have so many testimonies of people that have sown And they started at one level, but then God kept increasing them and their level of partnership went up. It's amazing what God will do. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me again today. Is today Thursday already? Man, Maddie just donated a trillion dollars on YouTube. Donate, hashtag donate one trillion. It's probably more than a trillion. (laughs) We love you guys so much. Go check the store out and get yourself an Easter box for your kids make sure you order your box before the 24th of march because we need time to get it to you and they're limited so we'll we'll have what we have and then once they're gone they're gone but uh we love you yeah that's it bonnie uh hashtag donate 50. that's exactly right you did it right thank you again bonnie for sowing a seed bonnie and ken we love y'all we'll see you again in the morning 10:30 a.m have a great day i'll talk to you later now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.